This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another episode of Talking Halos. I am your host today, Jared Timms, and I am joined alongside my co-host, my partner in crime today, Nate Green. Nate, how you doing? Doing pretty good, Jared. How are you? I am not doing too bad. Angels played well this weekend. Define well. Ish. Ish. They, they, they played better than their opponents. They won, base, they won baseball games. They played better than their opponents. Does that count? They won baseball games, and it's good for the fans. It's good for the fans that they that the Angels decided to take two of three from. And I air quote this and put an asterisk next to it. The defending World Series champion Los Angeles Dodgers. How do you feel about the ser- weekend series, Nate? I mean, I think we kind of feel the same way in a sense. You know, you won. Angels won two games, but eh. I mean, yeah, it's positive. They, they beat the Dodgers, which is always good. When uh, Dodger fans try and talk trash, we can keep that we uh, beat you in the regular season going. But yeah, it's very, it's a, it's a very weak Dodger roster right now. There's a lot of injuries, and honestly, did did we beat the Dodgers, or did the Dodgers beat themselves? Is really the question. But um, you know, it's it's positive. The Angels won, and good, good to see some clutch hitting from guys like Jared Walsh and you know Jose Rojas hitting a hit a nice home run to get him back in the game on Saturday night. So yeah, altogether not a terrible series. Pretty pretty exciting. We'll we'll recap here after in, in a few minutes. We'll recap. But question here for you, Nate: Would you rather be a Dodgers fan for the last ten years or an Angels fan for the past ten years? You got Mike Trout on the Angels side of things. And you have the Dodgers, who consistently make it to the playoffs and are always always very good teams, but just can't win the World Series. Angel fan, I, I haven't had my heart broken ten years in a row. I, I think it, as a Dodger fan, getting to the World Series three times and not winning, or four times in those ten years and not winning, that's that's a little bit tougher to swallow. Angels, you're just kind of having fun watching Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, and not really expecting too much. I mean. Every year you expect them to be in the playoffs, and they never are. So I, I go back to the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. That's kind of how it feels to be an Angel fan. But at least we get to watch uh, some really good players, and we don't have to worry about getting heartbroken in the last you know month of the season every year like the Dodgers. Well, I'm still holding out hope this year. I really am. If this team can kind of get healthy and stay healthy for a little while, remember, they, they don't have Anthony Rendon at the moment. The last 10 years, okay? This wasn't this year. Oh, I know. We've been saying the health has been the issue for how many straight years? Since Garrett Richards? Since C.J. Wilson? 
Nick Aidenhart, like, I mean, you can go all the way back. It's It's been a long time. It has been, it has been. But I'm still going to hold out hope this year. I think that the Wild Wild West is still open, and I still think that, you know, this series kind of proves a lot. They're the, it's a very interesting team. This team still feels a little bit different, I think, than past years, and I think that they have a lot of fight in them. And, I mean, we'll talk about the fight here in the next, I don't know, a couple minutes, but I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to this podcast and consistently making us one of, if not the best Angels podcast out there. I truly believe we are, and I just want to say thank you so very much. If you could subscribe to this podcast, if you don't already, tell a friend about this podcast, and a fellow Angels fan, we'd greatly appreciate it. And follow us on all our on all of our social medias, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. You can follow myself on Twitter at Jared underscore Tims. You can follow Nate on Twitter at at NateGreen34, and guys, give us one minute to pay the bills. Hey everyone, before we start, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level, or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive cover art, personalized, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and you name all the other ones. You got them. Okay? The best part is you can get all this for only 15 bucks a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance in the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com forward slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. That's bwhustle.com slash join. All right, enough with all that. Let's get this show going a little bit more and talk a little bit of Freeway Series. Angels took two of three. We didn't really get to talk about... I guess the Friday, we actually really didn't even talk about much of this series just because we'll just be doing podcasts Monday through Friday. So the weekend series, we'll just kind of have to wait until Monday when you guys are listening to this. And yeah, Angels took game one of the freeway series fairly easily, 9-2. to two. And Nate, did you watch this game? We'll just kind of recap it as best as we can, game by game in a sense. And then we'll just kind of see where it goes from there, talk a little minor leagues and kick everybody off. Yeah, I, I didn't uh, watch this one as closely as I watched uh, Saturday and Sunday, but I did watch enough to kind of see that they were able to get to Julio Arias um, and, and canning through the ball all right, if I remember correctly. He did. through five and two-thirds. Yeah, uh, canning definitely threw well. I watched the majority of this game. Five and two-thirds, gave up six hits on one earned run, walked three and struck out four. And, Nate, you know the cool thing about this stat line? It didn't seem like he was trying to strike everybody out. Like yeah, the, like the issue has always been for him. Yeah, I'm checking 85 pitches in five and two-thirds. That's right where you want to be. I mean, he could have easily finished the sixth. I don't know what the situation was when he exited, but um, definitely on the right path. Now we just got to get that change up a little bit slower. Definitely, definitely. And I think actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I did have an issue with when Canning was taken out. 85 pitches. I think the game was fairly out of hand at that moment. I, I want to say it was at least a 5-1 to one game, if not more than that. Maybe a, maybe even a – I think it was about a – I think it was 5-1 to one at that point. And 
Madden came out, took him. Yeah, Madden came out and took him out for Patrick Sandoval, and I was just kind of wondering, why the heck would you do that? <laughs> you know, like it just it didn't make a lot of sense to me. Five innings. Uh, I mean, he had runners on first and second. I think he gave up two. I, I think Walsh was going back on a ball at first base. It, he missed it, and then Rojas, the ball went under his glove and missed it, and then uh, Madden went to the bullpen. Luckily enough, the Angels scored four more in the following inning to make it a 9-2 game. Patrick Sandoval closed it out, actually recorded his first save, and, you know, Sandoval's another nice nice piece to have in that bullpen. Used well in this situation. Three and, three and a third, two hits, one earned, two walks, three strikeouts. Like I said, he got his first save of his career, I believe. He might have a, one other one, but, yeah, you know, it was just good to see the Angels take game one and, you know, on to game two where the Angels were down 13 to nothing at one point. I remember asking what position player was going to end up pitching today, or that day, and it just really got out of hand really quickly. I, I didn't think that Bundy pitched horribly by any means. I just didn't think that Bundy was Bundy-licious. I don't know if that's even a word. I just didn't think Bundy was himself during this game, and it just kind of showed. I think um, they brought in, I forgot who the oh, I can look at the C-Shack. I can, I can look at the box score right here. C-Shack gave up a couple of, of Bundy's runs as well and gave up a couple of his own. Felix Pena came in the next inning, and it just kind of fell apart as it was. But the Angels did fight back. It was a lot of fun to see that, wasn't it, Nate? Yeah. Um, it kind of feels like it feels like 2002 a little bit where uh, Fiziok was, was talking about as the announcer kind of like the, the never-say-die Angels. And it, and it really feels that way this year where – it doesn't matter what the score is; these guys are not going to quit, um, and they are going to—they're going to play all 27 outs and, and force you to uh, pitch for all 27 outs. They're not going to let you use the position player against them um, or anything like that. They're going to fight. Yeah, no. It, it, the Dodgers have scored 13 combined runs in the fourth and the fifth inning, like I just talked about. The Angels came back and scored 11 runs in the 6th and the 7th inning without Mike Trout and Justin Upton and Jose Iglesias in the game either. And, I mean, it was a lot of fun to see them fight like that without Mike Trout in the in the lineup. John Jay went 2 for 3, had 2 runs, with, and had an RBI too. I mean, at the end of the day, it was just a lot of fun to see them fight. And like I said, this is why I think they're kind of different. I don't. They kind of have that never-say-die feel to it. You know, you have David Fletcher coming up there, Scrappy, Otani, you never know when he's going to hit a bomb. Mike Trout, you never know when he's going to hit a bomb. Jared Walsh. And they just have a lot of young guys trying to make a name for themselves, and I think that's that's the key factor here. But the one thing I think, Nate, that really got to me after, because I saw this quote on Sunday after the game had already taken place, was from Dave Roberts. And he took exception to Taylor Ward bunting in a 13-run deficit, he said, it's just not a good baseball play. Any way you slice it, not not a good baseball play. A 13-run game and you're bunting, I understand it. I really do. But it's a 13-run game. Why are you shifting? Right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I just think, and I'm going to take Dave Roberts' side on this because I, I do think Dave Roberts is a very good manager, um, which I know I'm probably going to get heat for, but it's okay. Um the, the bunting thing, I don't have a problem with it, but we need base runners. And I know he's bunting for a hit there, and he's just not the he's not the guy to get the base hit there on a bunt. Um, 
I think that's kind of what he meant is like it's not a smart baseball play because you're you're probably not going to get a hit. I don't think he was upset with you know bunting down 13 runs, kind of like uh, Chris Woodward was upset with Tatis swinging a 3-0 count last year. I think it's completely different. I, I could be wrong, but it, it's hard without hearing. Um, I, I saw the quote too, but I didn't hear him say it, so it's kind of hard to. Uh, understand where he's coming from if he was more upset or if he was more just like asked the question hey what'd you think of the ward bunt in the uh what was that the fourth inning fifth inning and he just kind of said you know we we probably wouldn't be bunting in that situation because it's just really not smart to most likely give up give up and out yeah i, I agree i i in a sense i do take i i, I get what he what you're saying there it's not a smart baseball move down 13 runs. You're trying to get hits. You're trying to get guys on base. But when the opportunity presents itself, you know, if you're shifting in a 13-run game, it's kind of the same thing, which I was assuming – I'm assuming that's what happened. That's why Ward got the bunt down. I, I didn't wa- – I wasn't watching this game. Uh, I, I would assume that at some point there was a shift in play and Ward was like, well, we're going to bunt here. There was a runner on first with that play. Is That's the weird part about it. I, I don't know. I, I just wanted to bring that quote up. It was very interesting, to say the least, that that was even brought up. I, I think that if the game remained the score that it was and the and the Dodgers go on and win 14 nothing, 14-1, whatever it could have been, then I don't even know if it gets brought up. But since the Angels decided to put up 11 runs in the 6th and 7th inning, I think that it almost had to be brought up. And like I said, I know the Angels lost this game, but it felt like it was a, a lot of good momentum to the Sunday game against Trevor Bauer, which I'll get to in a second, but it's always fun to watch Clayton Kershaw, isn't it, Nate? Oh, yeah, that guy's, that guy's unbelievable. I think Dave could have easily left him in, but he saw the score and was like, you know what, we can let some of these younger guys be saved for September, October. So it was great to see him throw, and I think a really smart move by the Dodgers to take him out in that, that situation. Yeah, I, I agree. Like I said, I I love watching Kershaw pitch. It, it's Kershaw versus Trout, Kershaw versus Otani. I mean, it's just a lot of fun to see Kershaw go up against anybody. It's like seeing guys like Max Scherzer and Steven Strasburg and anybody, any good pitchers, Garrett Cole, go up against the Angels because the Angels have one of the best lineups in baseball, and it's just it's just a lot of fun to watch that. So we can get we'll get on to Game Three where. The Angels decided to beat Trevor Bauer in his own game. I know there wasn't a whole lot of one-eyed pitching or Conor McGregor walking around because Trevor Bauer was mad. And he came out after the game and said that he's upset with the team, in a sense. He, he came to Los Angeles to win, and, and they're not winning ballgames. But, man, 2-1 victory against against Trevor Bauer and the Dodgers to, to win the series, to win this part of the freeway series. It's got to feel good, doesn't it, Nate? Oh, absolutely. Anytime you can beat a cocky guy like Trevor Bauer, it's, it's fantastic. I was this this was the one game of the series that like we had to win, in my opinion. You know, being Kershaw was going to be tough. Being Urias, you know, great if you beat him, but you got to beat Trevor Bauer. Um, a little salt in the wounds to him for I, I don't know if we made him an offer or what the official offer was, but just to kind of be like, hey, you could be with us with this offense and, and really making this pitching staff a lot better than it has been. You can go ahead and quote your war, whatever you want, Jared, but the pitching has not been that good. Um, he definitely would have made us a little better, but 
I'm not giving him $35 million or whatever the Dodgers gave him. That was outrageous. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely fun to beat him, especially knowing how cocky he is and how much he likes to uh, show up the other team. Yeah, it's, it's always good to beat somebody like that. And just kind of a real team win here. I mean, 2-1, the offense kind of wasn't there. I thought Trevor Bauer did a pretty good job with keeping Mike Trout and Shohei Otani in check and they had to find other ways to do it, and David Fletcher had two hits. Phil, the goose is loose. Goslin had two hits. Jared Walsh had a big, I think, uh, RBI double. Which, yeah, ground rule double. Ground rule double, which was, which, was big for, which was big for Walsh. The pitching wasn't all that bad. Quintana still had five walks, couldn't get out of the fourth inning. I thought that he deserved the chance to at least maybe try to win, but he did get into a little bit of trouble. Uh, Aaron Sleggers came in and pitched well. Claudio came in and after that. Watson came in after that. Mike Myers came in, and then Rastel Iglesias came in to close it out exactly the way that we wrote it up before the season. Like any, everybody has written it up before the season, and you know, like I said, just a good team win, and it's it's I think a lot of momentum going to Houston, where the Angels really haven't played all that well. And last time they were in Houston, Mike Trout said it's hard to see the ball there, so. I just think this series was good for the Angels. I think that they're facing the Dodgers at the right time. If the Angels are facing him in September, it might be a little bit of a different story. But since they're facing them now and the Dodgers aren't playing all that well, I'll take it. I think that the Angels played a well-played well, well played series, in a sense, and I think that they deserve to win this series altogether. And they improved to 15 and 18 after this series. And I don't know. I mean, how do you feel about... The Angels right now. I don't know. There's a lot of interesting things going on. Uh, Cobb going on the DL this weekend. I know we can talk about that in a little bit. Um, just the starting rotation. It's it's really getting duct piece uh, duct tape together, and it's going to be uh, it's it's going to be tough to watch this if if we can't help the bullpen. I mean, the bullpen has been taxed all year, and we can't continue to ask the bullpen to go out there and, and get you know, 15, 15 outs a night, it's it's tough. So we we really got to see this starting rotation pick it up a little. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that at some point Madden and staff, even if it isn't Madden, because I have another quote, the whole pool saga we'll talk about, even if it isn't Madden that's making these decisions, which I, I, I don't know at the moment who it is. I, I don't want to quote. I don't want to place blame on anybody. But I think at some point you need to let – the starters kind of do their thing and really try to get deep into games. I mean, we saw Canning at 85 pitches in a 5-1 game. You got to try to at least let him work through something. Give him, he, he's earned the opportunity that day to do it. So go out there and let him try to work himself into the seventh inning and see what he can do. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, now we know Griffin Canning might be able to get us into the seventh inning into some games, and we don't have to take him out after 70, 80 90 pitches every time we can we can let him go and honestly it was a lot of fun to watch Trevor Bauer go 115 pitches walk in the dugout and ask like a little kid in a candy store if, if he could continue to go pitch to Dave Roberts it was really funny actually to see that I don't know if you, if you saw that Nate yeah yeah and and that was something I was going to bring up too is just the at-bats the Angels had against Trevor Bauer like to make him throw that many pitches was unbelievable great job by the offense tonight to really for sure, Bauer not to be able to uh, just cruise through eight innings and, uh, you know, go a complete game loss. So very, very impressive job by that Angels lineup. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it was a lot of fun. And we can we can kind of preview the next game in a sense. At the moment, 
there is no starter. You guys are listening to this. We're recording it the night before. The Angels haven't announced a starter yet. I don't know if they're going to go bullpen game. Madden said after the game that Jose Suarez is going to be involved in pitching somehow in this game. He was called up yesterday, and it'll be kind of interesting to see. The Angels' bullpen's already taxed. I don't... I, I Patrick Sandoval probably isn't ready yet. We might see a move or two to... I, I don't know. I really... this. It'll be interesting to see what the Angels do tomorrow pitching wise and I'm trying to think like we see Otani on Tuesday which will be a lot of fun but uh, Nate what direction do they go they have to start Suarez and and kind of 100% Jose Suarez will be the starter is my guess um they they called him up on Saturday night and said he was supposed to start Monday um Joe kind of put that to the rest and said hey um, it could still be a bullpen game depending on how Sunday goes. And I think Sunday went really well starting pitching-wise because we did not have to use Suarez out of the pen. We did have to use a, the pen a lot, but we did not have to use the Jose Suarez in the second or third inning. So I think Jose Suarez is who you're going to see. Um, probably going to be a, a normal leash for him, try and get him through four or five innings if, if you can. Um, his his start in AAA got got cut. They uh, they got to him before he made his start on Saturday night. So I, I think you see Jose Suarez and you see him try to get to 85, 90 pitches. I'd I'd really like to hope so. It'll be interesting to see. They'll face Luis Garcia today or tomorrow, whenever you're listening to this. And you know it'll it'll be a fun series. You, you got to kind of hope that the Angels can take. Two of three again from Houston, and and get to an off day, and you know the schedule isn't easy right now. You get the dot, you 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 got swept by the by the Rays. You took two of three from the Dodgers. Now you go to Houston, who's still a very good team, and then you have to go to Boston, who's one of the best teams in baseball right now. It does not get any easier, and I'm just excited for the competition. It'll be a lot of fun. It's going to be fun to see the Red Sox. It's going to be fun to see. The Angels in general play decently well, hopefully. And hopefully we don't see them go into any slumps. I, I don't know. No, we don't traditionally play well at Fenway. Yeah, I, I know. I know. So let's get on to a little bit of Albert Pujols news. I, I don't think we're done talking about this story. I still don't think we're done. I don't think we'll ever kind of be done talking about the Albert Pujols saga story. I, I don't even know, you know. But Bob Nightingale came out with an article USA Today uh, I'm just going to read a little bit of it. You guys know I suck at reading, so hang tight as I read this. Um, he woke up Wednesday morning having already been told he'd be in the starting lineup that night for the Los Angeles Angels against the Tampa Bay Rays. This talking about Albert Pujols. By the time the day was over, Pujols was yelling at manager Joe Madden, telling President John Carpino and GM Perry Manassian that he wasn't going to retire insisting he did not want to spend the rest of the season on the bench and blasting Madden's managerial skills according to the two people with direct knowledge of the day's events who requested anonymously not to be mentioned. So, Nate, what do we make of this? I mean, it's kind of what we thought happened. Um Joe probably said to Pujols, like, hey, we know what your track record is against Yarborough. You're going to be in there tomorrow. And he gets to the yard the next uh, the next day, and he's not in the lineup, pretty pissed off. And 
goes up to, to find out what happened, and they tell him, uh, I don't know. I wasn't allowed to make the lineup today, from what it sounds like, to, to Joe's credit. Um, and so Pujols kind of went after uh, the two top people in the organization to kind of be like, hey, what the heck? Like, you're paying me $30 million. Uh, I was told I was going to be in the lineup today. I have really good numbers against Yarborough. Why am I not in the lineup? And that's kind of what it sounds like happened. Did Pujols handle it correctly? No. Um, is it Joe Madden's fault? I don't think so. Is it Perry Manassian's fault? I, I honestly don't think so either. I, I just think that um, there was a lot of miscommunication right off the bat. And, um, yeah, Pujols wasn't too happy about it. The biggest thing that, that frustrates me is Manassian came out and said, hey, we, we let go of Pujols so we can get some younger guys to ABs. And the younger guys – that he has given ABs to since have been John Jay and Phil Gosselin. But that's not really getting younger. No, you're, you're right. And that's, again, the one thing I, I thought kind of bothers me too. You know, if, if you're trying to go out and win ball games at the moment, Albert Pujols is probably your best option, is it not? He, he honestly is the same as a platoon with John Jay and Taylor Ward. Um, it, it really is the same. Like, he could have you could have easily had Taylor Ward and Albert Pujols platoon, and it would be the same because I think Pujols hits better against left-handed pitchers. And um, oddly enough, I think Taylor Ward is a reverse splits guy where he hits better against righties than lefties. So um, it could have been something as as simple as that where Taylor starts against the righties, Pujols starts against the lefties, and John Jay continues to, to sit in AAA. I know he's been good um, in the two days since, or three days now, that, that we've called him up since then. But, just a real head scratcher. Like, is John Jay really the guy who is the reason why Albert Pujols got cut? Probably not. I mean, we we know Joe Adele's the guy that we want up there, but he's still at least a month away from being ready. We'll talk about prospects in a minute because we can talk about Joe Adele then because we'll talk about prospects. But I think that we wouldn't be talking about this if we – if Joe Adele was brought up or if Brandon Marsh was brought up for Albert Pujols, I, I don't think we'd have as big of an issue for it, right? No, not at all. I, I mean, that's that's the only thing that would have made sense. The the other thing, I guess, that you could have said was if he was still hitting 197 come late June and the Angels were in second or third place and they felt like he was the reason that they weren't in first place, then yeah, sure, cut it. Uh, and, and let John Jay or Phil Gosselin or Scott Stepler try and replace them. That's fine. But we're in May, and they're in last place. So it's really hard to blame last place on Albert Pujols. I know he's hitting one, he was hitting 193 or 197, whatever it was, but he was hitting 253 against lefties with four home runs. So there was still something there against lefties. He, he probably shouldn't have been facing righties at all. But it's – I don't know. It's just – it's really hard to blame Albert Pujols for the reason why in last place. The dude can't pitch. I I, I agree. I, I do agree with you there. And it, it's tough to watch the Angels and Artie Moreno and Joe Madden and Perry Manassian get roasted, not really roasted, but get, you know, to get badmouthed by a lot of different ex-Major League players and in a sense, I mean, Nolan Arenado even came out and talked about it, and you could tell that there, he had feelings there for that whole situation. And 
you know, it, it, Pedro Martinez talked about it. Tibor Ortiz was, came out about it. I'm sure that, you know, a lot of players had some interesting thoughts about it. And I, you know, I, I think that in the, in the players' world, in the world of the players, this was a tough thing to watch. Any, in any, any superstar goes through it, but the way that it it happened, it, it's tough. And, it, and you know what? It kind of reminds me of the whole Jerry Depoto, Mike Socia, Artie Moreno thing. It, it's yeah. I feel like it's that, but with but with the player now. That's what it seems yeah. like to me. And it's a tough situation. It really is. And I I don't think we're done talking about this. I think we're going to continue to talk about it and until Albert Pujols finds another team and hopefully makes it to the playoffs and hopefully hits career home run number 700. And I, I, I hope that he continues his career and continues to do great things. I, I really do. And we're not done talking about this. We're, we'll be talking about it for for a while. I, I can already tell. It's 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 going to be an interesting story, and there's going to be a lot of interesting things. But let's get on to some minor league talk, Nate. I, I'll, we'll just go over what happened Sunday. I don't want to recap everybody's weekend, but I'll, I'll highlight a little bit. Of course, we got to talk about Orlando Martinez. Three home run game. The dude's really kind of interesting down there in the minors. I don't think he's more than a fourth or fifth outfielder, but he's very interesting. The swing looks spectacular in a sense. I watched him a lot in high A when he was with the Inland Empire. And three home runs this weekend. It was it was a lot of fun. But let's get on to what happened Sunday. The Salt Lake Bees lost 8-3. to Brennan Lund went one for three, hit his... Second home run of the year. I think at some point we may see Brennan Lund, too. It'd be a lot of fun. And uh, Francisco Garcia, longtime friend of the Angels, went three for four down there in AAA as well. In AA, the, the Trash Pandas lost seven to one. Izzy Wilson went one for three, hit his second home run of the year. In high A, the Dust Devils also lost seven to two. Jose Verrier went two for three with two doubles. Another interesting name. He's DHing right now. I don't know if he's really ever... Can I have a spot in the field at all? But decently interesting bat to keep an eye on and monitor. The former UCLA Bruin Kyle Molnar pitched three innings, gave up three hits, walked four, and struck out one. Kind of an interesting name there, too. I think he's had two Tommy John surgeries, but at one point was one of the top names in SoCal. I know you know that name, right? Yes. Yeah, big, big name there in SoCal, and I think at some point he might get a look. I hope he does because it's still pretty good. I I haven't seen him pitch, but there's definitely something there and definitely a name to keep an eye on. And down in low A with the Inland Empire 66ers, they won 6-5. Kyron Paris went 4-for-6 with a triple, two runs, two RBIs, a stolen base. He has six stolen bases on the year. He also hit a walk-off. Spencer Spencer Brown went 2-for-5 with a run in RBI, three stolen bases. Jake Dashwood pitched in relief. He went two and two-third innings had five strikeouts, and the name that I want to talk about the most here, two-way, Eric Rivera, making his low-A debut, went three and a third, gave up one hit, walked one batter, and struck out six. Nate, I watched a lot of this game, and he looks very, very interesting. Kind of turning into a a legitimate prospect for the Angels and also possibly a starter. I, I don't know if he will be a starter, but the... The windup and release reminds me of a slowed down, not as herky jerky Patrick Sandoval, and it's, it's gonna be kind of interesting to see him pitch down the road here and see what he does. So, do any names interest you that I just mentioned off that you want to talk a little bit more about? 
I mean, Rivera's interesting. He hasn't hit yet this year. I know you mentioned he's a two-way. Um, just really good to see the one walk in three and a third. I, I think that's the, the biggest number to keep an eye on for angel pitchers in the minor leagues is how many walks are are they issuing. If it's a, if it's a big number, that's always concerning. Um, but, yeah, I love to see – I mean, strikeouts, you know how I feel about strikeouts. And um, earned runs are, are – great to look at, but it's not a huge telling story. I think walks and hits are a big telling story down there, at least, um, because they are pitching in a little tougher league in Inland Empire. But um, The other thing that you haven't mentioned, but just because I'm a huge Kyron Paris guy, he's got six stolen bases already, and I think that's awesome to see him just, just be able to get on base and just go. I mean, I, I know the, the team they were playing against probably didn't have the best catcher defensively, but still Six stolen bases in, in a weekend or, or a week is, is impressive. Yeah, no, definitely something to monitor with Paris, the 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 speed there, the athleticism. Same thing with Jeremiah Jackson, who's also there. He had a ring double. He almost went dead center today. And probably in most places it's a home run, but for, I think it's 4-10 out to dead center, and the wind usually blows in a little bit there. Depends on the day, but... I would have to assume the wind was blowing in a little bit because he hit the absolute crap out of the ball. I was able to watch a lot of that game on minor league TV, and, you know, I thought that the 66ers looked good today. I really did, and, you know, as we move forward, it's going to be a lot of fun to see what these minor leaguers do, and at some point, I think we're going to see Jack Kachanowicz. We saw Adam Sermonera's pitch this weekend. Stat line wasn't that good. He threw a lot of balls, had a lot of walks. Nate, I know you just mentioned that. You know, you don't like to see the walks. That's kind of where Seminaris was. For the first time, you know, pitching in his career, it, it doesn't surprise me too much a lot. Like, Reed Detmers also made his professional debut this last week, and a lot of walks there, too. I think a lot of these guys are just kind of a step behind, especially Reed Detmers, who I know pitched college but missed a lot of season. Like, he didn't get to pitch. He hasn't pitched basically in a whole year and it's just kind of tough to make that adjustment. I, I know that we, as former pitchers, get it. We understand it. So it'll just be kind of interesting to see what some of the Angels' top prospects do pitching-wise down the road. And I, I don't know. you have any final thoughts here before we let everybody go? No, the Seminaris thing is a little interesting because he was a huge strike thrower in college. That was, like, his big thing. So um, I think he'll get back on track, and it'll be, it'll be uh, nice to see him – pitch I, I don't know if he's more than a depth option but just a fun name I mean one of the five uh players drafted last year in the fifth round for the Angels so just kind of interesting to keep an eye on him uh, especially in Inland Empire yep and guys if you are looking for any minor league news you can follow myself on Twitter Jared underscore Tims I'll put that out there because I'm always watching minor league games minor league scores especially with the Angels and, you know, letting everybody know what's going on. So, guys, as always, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. You can follow us on all our social medias. Please don't forget to subscribe and tell a friend about our podcast. You can follow myself on Twitter at Jared underscore Tims. You can follow Nate on Twitter at NateGreen34. Guys, thank you so much for listening, and have a great rest of your day. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns.
legends whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.